Well, good afternoon, everyone. It is afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I do go by another name, which is Gandalf the Ginger, <laughs> just in case you were, you were thinking about that. It's been so nice just to um, see some familiar faces or s- see familiar half of faces, I guess, and I've just been wanting to go around and sort of chat to everybody. So um, it's just lovely to see everybody here. And those I don't know, nice to meet you too as well. Now then, how do we do this? Go onto the stage or ooh, somebody's phone. That's nice. <laughs> very kind of you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I tend to move around a little bit. Oh, oh no, you want your phone? Do you? Oh, I don't know. Is it? I said about a timer because you can just keep going, can't you? When you're talking, and there's, there's no clock. Oh, you star. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thank you. Great. Uh, right, let's got that there. Yeah. So those who um, don't know me, been in business so many many years, and um, Marianne, my wife, and we've got three kids, uh, Marianne's doing good, kids, we've got two still at home, and one's a red coat. <laughs> I, I said to my daughter, who's a red coat, I said, said to her, so do you know what the phrase hidey high means? And she looked at me blankly, but there'll be some people here who know what I mean, won't they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, life-changing moments can deeply affect us, can't they? Life-changing moments really deeply affect us. Um, it could be the death of a loved one. I remember 2004, my mum prematurely died, and it was shocking. Um, and then there's positive things, isn't there? Like, got married, no? Uh, for us this year, 30 years this year. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. He was only 10 when he got married. Um, that, that's us this, this year. Uh, um, birth of a child. That was... Can be all talk more traumatic for the ladies, um, but I do little, um, have a little story about it. When we were when we were expecting Joe, um, Marianne had been taken off to hospital, and I'd gone with her, and they said there was nothing happening, so go home. So I went home, and uh, where we lived, it was in a block, and uh, the garage. I put the car back in the garage, and um, you know, went inside, went to bed, and then they called me um, early in the morning, about three in the morning or something, saying, "Right, that's it. It's happening." You, know, you get that call, so it's like, <laughs> it's happening. So I went out to get the car, and somebody had parked their car in front of our garage. So you parked the garage? Yeah, back in the day. I, I panicked. So what did I do? I called 999. <laughs> I said, help me, help me. So I got this police car, uh, <laughs> come round at 999. They weren't doing anything at three in the morning in Basingstoke, were they? So they, they got me up to the hospital. Um, and then I realised... How am I going to get home again? So there's Marianne just about to give birth. I said, oh, you never guess what happened to me. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, life-changing moments uh, can really affect us, can't they? Now, picture. Do you know who that is? Some of you may know who that is. That is a guy called Martin Smith. Um, and uh, Martin Smith, back in the 90s, got together with some of his mates in his church down in Littlehampton, and they started doing some youth events, and they were called Cutting Edge Events. He wrote a few songs. He wrote a song called Lord, You Have My Heart, or Over the Mountains and the Seas. Um, and then, sort of mid-90s, he and his wife were involved in quite a serious road accident. This life-changing event affected his life, and he felt God say to him, you need to get really serious about the band. So they went full-time. Gave up their jobs and they became 
delirious, that's right. And they wrote some incredible worship songs. We still sing them, don't we, in our churches. They traveled the world leading worship at a major events for thousands and thousands of people. But that life-changing moment when God said, right, what are you going to do? And he got serious with it. Now, this is a picture here of, of me on the inside. Um, a few years ago, you might remember, or you, you, some of you will remember, I slipped my disc, and um, that's it. Oh, that doesn't work here, does it? How do you get the red thing to work? Anyway, you can see it, can you? Sort of, that's, that's, that's down here, you know, on your spine. You can see it pushing out the black bit, pushing out on the, um, on the, uh, on the nerve system. There. Really, really painful. Life-changing events. And often, as we come through these life-changing events, we ask ourselves... Oh, this is not working now. What have we gone and done? You just need to move the, the thingy out, the, the mouse. The, that's it. There you go. Let's try it. Does that work? There you go. Ta-da, tech. After these life-changing events, we can often ask ourselves the question, what now? What now? What are we going to do? Uh, the last couple of years, everybody has been affected by COVID, hasn't it? It's affected everyone, everything, everywhere. If you think about it, just think about your own life, how it's affected you. It could be um, if you were uh, schooling and you had to work from home and schooling as well. Um, your social life, just think about all those times you used to go out to the cinema, to the theatre, to the pub, to the gym. Couldn't do it, couldn't we? Everything was affected by COVID. And hopefully... We are coming out of it. But we're still often asking those questions. What's now? Thinking church life here. You're now meeting here in this building. Things have changed. But we're not out of this yet, are we? So that the questions still remain. What now? Now, in the New Testament, in the, in the Bible, there was that group of 12 known as the disciples. They were the ones um, who were closest to Jesus. And there's a photograph of them taken some years ago. Um, and you know, they went through... An incredible time, didn't they, with Jesus? They lived with him. They did life together with him for many years, well, a couple of years particularly together. And then they saw him getting arrested. They saw him uh, being crucified. They saw him die. Then a few days later, they saw him being raised to life again. And then the Bible tells us that he spent another 40 days hanging out with them and sharing with them and, and just investing in them before, wait for this, they saw him ascend to heaven. I mean, what, just think what that would have been like. You know, you're out, hanging out with this resurrected Jesus who had this kind of body that was a body that wasn't a body. And then he said, I'm going now. And he pressed that button on the, on, on the lift that takes you to heaven. And uh, that, that's me adding that bit in there. Um, but he ascended before them. And before he lift off, he said, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem for the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what do they do? They're very obedient. They went to Jerusalem and they waited. And I bet they were scratching their heads, weren't they? And they were asking themselves the question, what now? What now? So we're going to pick up the story in Acts 2. So if you have a Bible, why don't you grab that? I'm going to read it from the NIV. And uh, Asian State, got me very focused on, I've got rather large font here. Uh, so follow along with me. We're not going to read all of it. We're going to read these verses here. So this is Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind 
came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, they were probably not in an upper room. They were probably in the temple courts somewhere. They were probably meeting together there. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their language being spoken. Jump down to verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So don't drink at nine in the morning. Maybe a little bit later. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on to explain the the Joel prophecy. Let's jump down to verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, and all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. I guess many of you here have read that before, and if you haven't, it's an incredible account of what happened um, for these 12 people, what happened to them. So what can we learn from this? What can we see from this? For us in this what now moment, what can we take away from there? First thing I want to just draw out is this. God fulfilled his promise. We have a God who keeps his promises. What do I mean by that? Well, in Acts 1, uh, Jesus said to them, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes on you. Well, that happened. But as Peter said later in his talk, he was referring to what the prophet Joel said way, way back in the Old Testament, which was that God would pour out his Spirit on all people. Now, if you know your Old Testament Bible, you'll know there were certain times when the Holy Spirit would come on certain people. He would like bring an anointing upon them. He would pour out his Spirit on them for a certain task, a certain activity. But it was pretty random. It was a, a few people now and again. They would rise up, the Spirit of God would come on them and they would do something. But this is different. This isn't just one or two for a a little specific task. Oh, no, 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 no. Those days are over. This is New Testament. This is Holy Spirit on everyone. That means you're included. Okay, that means you're included. That's everyone. That's not exclusive, that's inclusive. The Holy Spirit on everyone. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? God was doing something different, and he still is doing something in these days. God fulfills his promises. 
I love that image there. If you look at some art, there's some fantastic pictures around of the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. But get that. The Holy Spirit is for you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you are watching at home somewhere. Maybe, don't know what camera you're on, but maybe today could be the day that the Holy Spirit wants to come on you watching online or you in this building. Because the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And then Peter stands up and does this great, amazing preach. I mean, just a few sort of years before, Peter, the guy with the foot-shaped mouth. I mean, if you read about Peter when he's hanging around Jesus, what's he like? He's bonkers half the time, isn't he? Now, what about that story in the Bible when Jesus goes up the hill and he takes Peter and a couple of others, and this incredible thing happens, doesn't it? Elijah and Moses come down. I mean, what's going on here? And this is, they're having a conversation. Elijah and Moses are coming down on this mountain, and Peter's there. And what does Peter say? He goes, Lord, um, should we build a little something to live in? Like, should we put a tent up for you three guys? Hey, what's he going on about? But here, when he's anointed by the Holy Spirit, something changes. It's clear. He's focused. He preaches his heart out. The anointing of God on us brings a sense of clarity, a sense of purpose. And sometimes you just know you're like in the slipstream with God. Have you ever experienced those times when you just sense God is doing something in your life and you just think, was that me that did that? (laughs) It's like the anointing of God comes upon you and just go, whoa. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's not just for one or two here. That's for all of us. Whatever age, whatever stage, that's for all of us. Let's move on. The gospel advances. I mean, what a great start for these 12, hey? You know, your first day, I mean, I'm sure Peter did some preaching before he got to this, but here they are. They've, they've all been anointed by the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up. You know, does he get a few hands up? Oh, no, no, no. 3,000! <laughs> Wouldn't you like to preach to people and just see 3,000 getting saved? That's remarkable, isn't it? The anointing of God, the presence of God, is not only on the disciples, but it's actually in the listeners as well. Because God is always at work. God is already at work in people who are not yet Christians. He's already at work out there. And what we have to do is kind of discern what's going on. Get in that slipstream of the Holy Spirit and see what happens. I mean, 3,000 people. That's a lot of people, isn't it? That's some ministry, isn't it? You get the ministry team out. That's a lot of welcome packs. And back in those days, you know, they couldn't print them off, could they? Who was the disciple that had to do the welcome pack? You know, who are you? Are you welcome to the church? Yeah, come on in. And that's incredible, isn't it? The presence of God. The Holy Spirit at work there. A couple of other things just to say before I sort of wrap up. Notice that when the Holy Spirit came on the disciples, it says they spoke in other languages. That's because the gospel is for everyone. God was saying through that, this isn't just for the people that speak this language. No, 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 no. This is for the whole earth. The good news of Jesus that we've been singing about, and band, you did such a great job in leading, it's wonderful. This good news is for every person. Whatever language you speak, whatever dialect, this is for you. 
You know, if you're going to go to France, you want to have a conversation with somebody who's French, it really helps to speak French. I am useless at languages. I do the international language of mine. <laughs> Pop my white gloves on and away I go. Marianne's much better with languages. But think about it. You, you might be interacting with people who speak another language, yes, but there's also other languages, isn't there? There's, there's other groupings of people. You know, if you're really into sport, there's kind of the whole sport language. You know, That's not particularly my thing, if I'm honest. But uh, I can talk about being in a band. You know, I can talk a bit... You know, if, you're into, if your thing is computers, you can talk geek language. You know what I mean? But, you know, you know what I mean. They start going off and they talk about all this electronics. And you go, I haven't got a clue what you're going on about. As long as it works, that's all I need to know. But you are going to be interacting with people in your workplace or maybe at the school gate or in the gym or at the pub or at the cinema. And they speak their language, don't they? And the Holy Spirit can come upon us to speak the language so we can connect with them. Because the gospel is all all about connecting people, isn't it? Connecting people to God the Father. So just think about the, the world in which you sort of move into. What is the language that you should be using, what that you could be using to help people? Because the Holy Spirit on that day in Pentecost gave them multiple languages because the gospel is for everyone. Now, questions, questions, questions. In verse 7 and verse 8, we see that uh, those listening started to ask questions of the disciples. What's going on here? Are they drunk? What's going on here? And, you know, questions uh, are really a lead into something, aren't they? I mean, have you ever found when you're talking to somebody, they start asking you a question, maybe about your faith, and it's like, Ooh, what's going on here? Why are they asking that question? What's the deep question that's going on here? And we, as uh, God's ambassadors, we have to be good listeners to hear what people are saying. Because often there's a cry that's going on. You know what I mean when it says like there's a deep question that some people ask. And I think God's Holy Spirit can help us to begin to discern what's really being asked. There have been a couple of times I've been out on the streets, you know, just sort of sharing the gospel. And uh, I remember uh, sometimes, you, you, if you go with young people, you, you get kind of all the, the crazy sort of flippant questions, you know. And, uh, you know, um, where are the dinosaurs, that kind of thing, you know. Um, who made God? Uh, those kind of simple questions. But then one person asks you a really deep question. And you can sense, can't you? you just feel like God were at work here. And I think the Holy Spirit needs to help us to tune in to what are those questions. Now, the Bible uh, tells us later on that how we answer people is really important. You know, we respect people. We honor them. We don't try to just ram it down people's throats. Let people ask their questions because they're journeying. They're journeying. And where, where is the Holy Spirit at work in people? Where are the people that are saying, yes, something's going on here. God is at work here. So let's be really good listeners. That is the Energizer Bunny. Because it seems to me that from Acts 2 onwards, the disciples, they get something uh, which I can only think is a bit like the Energizer Bunny. The Holy Spirit just gives them this oomph to get going into things. And if you read from Acts 2 onwards, it's just action all the way. I mean, it would make a fantastic movie, wouldn't it? 
there's just so much activity, the activity of the Holy Spirit. It's like they just don't stop. It's like the Spirit just, it all clicks into place for them. And they say, right, we are going, we are doing this, we are getting on with it. They're focused on God's mission. It's like that is, that's the main thing. We've got to tell people about this risen Jesus. And the Holy Spirit seems to help them. And they had that infilling then. But then a few chapters later, they had another infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on. They were meeting together. And they, they just prayed for one another. So it becomes a lifestyle, a habit. It's kind of, this is the thing we do when we meet together. We'll have communion. We'll share. And let's just pray for the Holy Spirit. Yeah, come on. Let's go for it. And it becomes just like who they are. It's kind of like their norm to be full of the Holy Spirit. So in these days of asking what now, boy, do we need the Holy Spirit. We really need him. As we can see, just from Acts 2, how he turned around those people. And there's going to be an opportunity very soon to be prayed for. But as I was sort of preparing for this, um, I felt a couple of prophetic words that God just wanted to, uh, for me to say. So I'm going to share them with you, okay? First one is this. In some of the conversations I've been having with people over the last few weeks and months, been talking about how COVID has affected them. And it's like it's affected them in the sense of confidence and just the things that maybe pre-COVID you wouldn't think twice about doing. Now you're thinking, well, I'm not sure I should do that. And it's like an oppression. Of course, I know, I describe it as a, like a lockdown spirit, you know? And it's like you feel like, well, I can't do that anymore. I'm not sure I could do it anymore. And I feel like it's... Um, trying to lock us into a way of thinking. And I just think there might be some people here who just know they've got that kind of lockdown spirit. And I want to pray for you today. God wants to say, that's not my way. I want you to be free from that lockdown spirit. That's the first thing. Second thing is um, at home, our front door, uh, when when I opened it from the inside, the handle started sticking and it got a bit dangerous because you could go, you know, do the handle, go out, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't lock, you know, as you went out. And um, what I needed to do was I needed to oil uh, the lock, and there were certain points where I just needed to oil it. So put the oil in and oh, gave it, a, you know, a good go. And eventually the oil unlocked and unblocked the door. And I was thinking about that and felt there might just be some people here today who just feel a bit blocked, just feel like... When the things you want to do is like it's not quite working. It's, it's like that door handle. It's just a bit blocked and it needs the oil. And we've got some anointing oil, which I think Margaret's bought today. Did you buy it today? Freshly purchased oil. Maybe you need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit to, to unblock something. Maybe a few people here, maybe just one person. Let me pray for you. Okay, so there's the prophetic thing. So let's just try and wrap this up. The first thing. God keeps his promises. We can trust him. When COVID started, where did you turn into the scriptures? What did I do? I went to the promises of God. Read the stories of the Old Testament to see, God, you were with people through this. God keeps his promises. The Holy Spirit isn't for one or two. He is for everyone. Okay? Everyone. We're going to pray that in a minute. God's great gospel will advance. We saw an incredible activity there uh, in Acts 2. But the gospel is unstoppable. 
And God wants us to partner with him in seeing that gospel being reached through different languages and through his anointing. And the Holy Spirit gives us that energy like the um, um, energizer bunny there. The Holy Spirit can give us that to keep us going, becoming a rhythm, becoming a lifestyle. So, what now? We're going to pray. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come into this space. Or if you're watching online, to come into your space. Remember, there's a couple of prophetic things there as well. One about that lockdown spirit. And maybe one about just getting a bit jammed. Let me invite you to be in a posture of receiving. What what, what does a posture mean? It means saying, Lord, I want to focus in on you. I want to be open. Sometimes for me, I've just put out my hands as a, a symbol of saying, God, I want you. I want your Holy Spirit. So, Hub Church, those watching online, let's quieten down. Let's be open in this moment of asking, what now? Holy Spirit, we thank you for the incredible activity, the incredible way you came upon those disciples in Acts 2. How you changed them. And it's the same Holy Spirit today as he was then. And so we invite you. I ask that you come now on every woman, every man in this place and for those who may be watching online we welcome you, we invite you into our lives we thank you that the promise is not just for the one or the two but it's for everyone so we receive you again we receive you Holy Spirit we pray for a fresh anointing a fresh infilling of you. We pray that as we go into our week that we would be sensitive to those around us. We'd be seen where you are at work in people's lives. We would follow your lead and your nudge. Tune us in to what you're doing, I pray. May we be good at listening to the questions that are being asked. And may we be bold in leading people to you. Pray this for your glory and the extension of your incredible kingdom. Amen. Thank you for listening. God bless.